Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. You would think that Hanukkah is over, and it is, but it's not really over. Because in our tradition we know that, number one, there's no such thing as a holiday being over. The inspiration of the holiday has to last beyond the holiday itself until at least the next holiday. But secondly, and more specifically, the Shabbat, the Sabbath after the holiday, is an actual continuation of the holiday because we know that the six days of the week are all absorbed into the Shabbat. So whatever we missed during the actual holiday, we could compensate with, we can make up on the Shabbat, and whatever we didn't miss becomes elevated in the Shabbat. So we're still under the influence of Hanukkah. So what is the connection between Hanukkah and the Parsha, the section of the Torah entitled Vayigash? What is Vayigash about? It's about the rapprochement between Joseph and his brothers. Joseph, in the end of last week's portion, uh, threatens to keep Benjamin there as a prisoner for stealing his silver goblet. And Yehuda, in this week's Torah portion, confronts Joseph and demands that he release him. And at that point, Joseph breaks down and he reveals himself, I am Joseph. And this begins the reunification of the family. And then he is then going to bring his father Jacob to the land of Egypt for the duration at least of the famine. And it turns out that he was there until he passed away. Now, before Jacob comes to Egypt, he sends Yehuda. He was the leader of the 12 tribes. He sends him to Goshen. Goshen is the territory in Egypt that the Jews later on settled in. And he sent him there. Why did he send them? So Rashi explains, Rashi the great commentator, that he sent them there to establish a house of study. In other words, a place where the family and their children, and ultimately the Jewish nation that would be forged, would have a place to study Torah. Now, if you're wondering, study Torah, the Torah wasn't given until much later. Well, our sages tell us, and this is a tradition, an oral tradition, that in fact, the patriarchs studied the Torah. The Torah was revealed to them. They studied the Torah. When I say Torah, I don't mean necessarily just the five books of Moses. Obviously, some of that they couldn't have been told because they would know the end of the story. Abraham would have known that Isaac was not going to be sacrificed. It wouldn't have been much of a test. Uh, but they knew the ideas of the Torah, the laws of the Torah, and they implemented those laws into practice as much as possible. So they did study Torah. And where was the source of this Torah study? In Goshen. So what does that have to do with Hanukkah? Well, the word Goshna, which means to Goshen, has the same letters that are on the dreidel. Would anyone have thought that the dreidel, this little children's game, has any real significance that we're connecting it to the words of the Torah? And one should never underestimate the power, the significance of even a child's game that we play with on Hanukkah. And not only children, but also adults play, but it's essentially a top with letters on it. So let me examine the significance of the dreidel and see the connection that it has to Goshna, to going to Goshen. 
Now the dreidel, we know, has four letters on it. What are the four letters? Nun, Gimel, Hey, Shin. Those four letters stand for Nes Gadol Hayasham. A great miracle happened there. Their meaning in Israel. Now, these four letters, which indicate that a great miracle happened there, is what we are also have in the word Goshna. Goshna has those four letters. And if you just think about it briefly, we can see a beautiful little correlation to Hanukkah. What's the reason we play with a dreidel on Hanukkah? There's no, I haven't found any real documentation to prove that this is the reason, but this is the traditional accepted understanding of why we play dreidel on Hanukkah. The Syrian Greeks banned Torah study. Anyone caught studying Torah would be put to death. But the children would go to the outskirts of town and they would study Torah, but their lives were in danger. So whenever they saw a Greek sentry coming, they would hide their scrolls and take out the little tops and they would play. So the dreidel was there to enable them to keep on studying Torah, risk their lives to study Torah. That is the connection to Goshna, because as I just said before, in Rashi's words, Goshna was the center of Torah study at that time. That even in a time when Jews are in Goshen, in Egypt, in exile, they still study Torah. And that's what happened in Hanukkah. Even as we were being persecuted and oppressed by the Syrian Greeks, the children still sacrifice themselves to be able to study Torah. That's what the dreidel symbolizes. But I'd like to go a little bit deeper into it. What is the significance of these four letters? It has been pointed out that if we add up the letters, in Hebrew, every letter is a number. So if we add up all the letters of Nun, Gimel, Hey, Shin, it adds up to 358. 358 is the same numerical value as the word Mashiach. So somehow the dreidel symbolizes and has the word Mashiach hinted on its very body. Now that is certainly an amazing fact. How does the dreidel, which seems like a little a child's toy, and it is a child's toy essentially, how could that be connected to Mashiach? You'd expect something more sophisticated. If you'd find out that the menorah, the word menorah was 358, which it isn't, I'd say, well, the menorah is a symbol of light, the symbol of, of spirituality. That ties in with Mashiach, the age of spirituality, when ultimate spirituality, when God's full being will be fully revealed to everyone, to the whole world. But the dreidel, it's, it's a kid's game. It's, it's an insignificant little children's toy. And that has the word Mashiach on it. And I know someone will challenge me and say, but in Israel, they have a different letter. Here we say a great miracle happened there. But what happens if you're living in Israel? You can't say there. They say po, here. So if you add up the letters, now we have a different letter, instead of the shin of shum, which is 300, you have a pei, which is 80. It's much less. It's certainly not the equivalent of the word Mashiach. Well, the answer to that is, that adds up to 138. And 138 is the same numerical value as the word Menachem, which the Talmud says is one of the names associated with Mashiach. So wherever you go, here in the diaspora or in Israel, Mashiach and the dreidel have something in common. And if you think about it, it really has so much more in common than any other symbol. Because what is Mashiach? Mashiach represents the purity of the soul. 
the Baal Shem Tov's disciple, Rabbi Nachum of Chernobyl, writes in his commentary on the Torah that every one of us has a spark of Mashiach in us. We all have a spark of Mashiach, but whose spark is more revealed, it's the children. The Talmud actually says this. When the psalmist says, Altigu don't start up with my anointed ones. Don't start up with the people who I anointed. Who does that refer to? So the Talmud says it refers to children who are studying Torah in school, whose Torah study is done with purity. They don't have the guile. They don't have the evil inclination that adults have. Their Torah study is pure. So what does a child represent? Purity, innocence. And that's the spark of Mashiach that we all have, but because we also are adults and we're sophisticated intellectually and emotionally, we're complex beings, that spark of purity becomes very much a covered-up spark. But the children have that purity, and that's the purity of Mashiach. In truth, when the world was in its child state, the very beginning of creation, the Torah tells us that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, This is before there was anything yet created to taint the purity and innocence of the world. And again, our Bible commentators, specifically the Baal HaTurim, who always tries to find, again, hints in the Torah to various concepts, says if you take the words, the Spirit of God hovers upon the waters, it is numerically equivalent to the sentence that says, this is the spirit of Mashiach. What does that tell us? That at the beginning of creation, the spirit of Mashiach was already there, precisely at the beginning of creation, because there was nothing to cover it up, nothing to taint it, nothing to compromise it. And when we play dreidel, when you play dreidel with your child, the spin, pun intended, should be that we want to reveal that nurture and cultivate that childlike innocence, not to lose it. Once the Rebbe was walking home from the synagogue, and a little child, I don't remember how old he was, but he was a young child, apparently mistook the Rebbe for his father, and he went over to the Rebbe, and he started to uh, wipe his face, perspiration in the Rebbe's coat, and a few other things. And when his mother heard about it, she was like out of her, she couldn't, how can my child do such a disrespectful thing? And she wrote a letter to the Rebbe asking the Rebbe profusely for forgiveness. And the Rebbe wrote back, I'm very surprised that you're even asking for forgiveness. This was such a beautiful thing. If only adults had this innocence, this purity that a child has, it would be so much better. And that is the challenge of the adult. The challenge of an adult is not to remain a child with the child's limitations. It's to reach adulthood and reach sophisticated levels of adulthood and reclaim that innocence at the same time. That's much more difficult. A child has it naturally. So the dreidel is not just for children, it's for the cultivating the child within us. And that's where we come to Goshna. That's where Jacob says to Yehuda, I want you to go to Goshen. I want you to establish a place of learning Torah in Goshen. But what's the connection? Because what was Goshen? When you read about it in the Torah, it seems it was a province in Egypt. It was under the leadership of Pharaoh and the Egyptian pharaohs, and it had nothing to do with the Jewish people until they settled there 
when the famine began and Jacob settled there and then the children of Israel settled there and that became the Jewish land of residence until the Exodus. But our sages tell us there's much more to Goshen than that. When Abraham and Sarah, because of a famine in Canaan, were forced to go to Egypt, just like Jacob was forced later on, two generations later, and Abraham said to Pharaoh that this is my sister, and she was taken into Pharaoh's palace, and Pharaoh thought he'd marrying her, but nothing happened, of course, as the Torah says. And when he discovered, because God had stricken him, that this was not Abraham's sister, this was Abraham's wife, he rewarded Abraham with many gifts. But the Torah doesn't say what the gifts were. And our sages, based on oral traditions, fill us in the gaps. One of the gifts was a wife, Hagar, a maidservant that was Pharaoh's daughter. But there was another gift that he gave them. He gave them the land of Goshen. So Goshen, from the times of Abraham onward, was already part of Israel, but it wasn't Israel. It was Israel within the diaspora. And that's the message over here. Where do we find the way to regain that purity, that innocence, that childlike innocence? When we're in business, that's very hard for us to be innocent. We're not talking about being dishonest, God forbid, but business is wheeling and dealing, and likewise, most professions force us to hide the innocence, the purity, the gullibility, perhaps, the, the naivete of a child. Where do we have the luxury and the ability to experience our innocence? You have to go to the holy places, the Israel in the diaspora. Where's the Israel within the diaspora? Where's the Goshen now? Every synagogue, every house of study where we study Torah and pray is a satellite of the Beis Hamikdash of the Holy Temple. But where is it? It's in the diaspora. Likewise, when we take our homes, as the Rebbe would often encourage us to do, and we fill our homes with Torah books, we have mezuzahs on the doorposts of our homes. We have Torah books in every room. We affix a tzedakah box to our kitchen wall to remind us of tzedakah. When we make our houses miniature temples, that's the Goshen. That's the Goshen here that leads us to the miracle there. It's the place of purity even within exile. And that is how we prepare for the ultimate redemption. The Rebbe, in a very in a landmark talk, spoke about the idea that the Midrash tells us that Mashiach will stand on the roof of the Holy Temple and declare the time of your redemption has arrived. And the Rebbe, in a lengthy discourse, explains that that's a metaphor, that Mashiach, even before the redemption, when we're still in exile, Mashiach stands in the central, holiest synagogue of the world and prepares us for the Mashiach, prepares us for the ultimate redemption. That's the power of bringing purity, even when we're still in exile, which prepares us for the ultimate exodus and the ultimate experience where we will be able to say a great miracle happened here. Thanks for listening to The Rabbi Greenberg Show.